Here at Kajabi, we are known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. everyone and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience and today we're joined by Anthony Trucks, creator of the Shift Method. How is it going today, Anthony? Doing well, man. I got my tea. I got a good guy to hang out with, which is you. I'm, I'm good, man. I'm ready to rock. I love it. I've got my coffee here. It's I probably should switch to tea. Um, I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. I'm, I've been the tea guy. For ah, I've typed really? Tea. I don't okay. like to taste the coffee, but yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a tea guy through and through. I got like all these weird little teas in the house. People come to my house like, what's that? I got a cast iron tea set and all this stuff. Yeah. For real. <laughs> You're real about it. I, that's kind of how I'm with my coffee. <laughs> Dial it in. There you go. I get my wife the same way. She doesn't get me, but I don't get her either. Yeah. Well, we don't have to agree on coffee versus tea. That sounds like a debate for another time. Let's just get started right with uh, drilling down into your kind of elevator pitch for anyone who isn't already familiar yeah. with you, like who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Anthony Drucks. Uh, I help individuals make shift happen in their lives and businesses. You remove the F, you get it. We all have aspirations and dreams. And my big focus is on how do I get your identity to reach the level that your dream is? Because if your identity doesn't reach the uh, or match the level of your dream, you don't get the dream. So I help people elevate how they operate identity wise to be able to make shift happen in their life. I can't wait to learn more. Um, let's uh, let's just kind of get an idea of how you got in. I know that there's a big backstory. You have yeah. played in the NFL, been on American Ninja Warrior, quite the quite the list. Um, yeah, but I, I think it, uh, this actually the, your story um, is pretty big. Let, let's talk about like a little bit of your genesis and how you made it into where you are today um, yeah. in terms of like your career and what you do. Uh, accident. That was it. It came through accident and a series of fortunate events. Uh, I was given away as a kid in a foster care group in an all white family it was you know really poor all white family. Wasn't adopted till I was 14. So 11 years in the system. So I, I already started life with this question of who am I? Where do I belong? What's going on? And then I ventured into this new thing I want to try, which was football wasn't good at it for a couple of years and found a way to kind of reset internally, which is where another one of these identity shifts came in and got really good at the game. Uh, got a college scholarship to play football at the University of Oregon. Met my dad my sophomore year, uh, had a son my sophomore year. A couple of years later, graduated from college, was blessed to play in the NFL, married my high school sweetheart, mother of my kid, went to the NFL. NFL stands for not for long. Get in, you get hurt, you get out. So now I'm in this massive identity crisis again, and I'm navigating the ups and downs, end up getting divorced. At one point, I'm like suicidal, like life just sucks after the game. 
have a couple more kids with my my you know wife at the time, ended up getting divorced, went through a whole gamut of trying to figure out who in the world I was three years after divorce. Simultaneously, but separately, we figured ourselves out and we remarried uh, after three years. We've now been remarried almost six years, I want to say now. I have an amazing marriage and I've, I've kind of looked back at my life and said, how in the world did I navigate these things? Because I have overcome areas where some people are still stuck, many of them. And someone posed a question to me at a time that was very, very pivotal for me to ask like, why in the world I am unique in the aspect of identity? How did I navigate those different parts of myself to get where I'm at now? That was the catalyst to digging in, finding things out and realizing, man, there's some value the world can extract from my experiences, my research tied to my experiences. So I can then give them something that's a value that makes me feel a value. And so my my world to getting here was very accidental. I owned a gym, I was doing different stuff. And I happened across to an individual who uh, was able to extract this idea I had deep in my head of like, maybe there's some value here. And to man, after a weird going from sitting in the audience at a person's event, multiple thousands of people to speaking on the stage a couple of years later, and then introducing myself to the world through Kajabi and different things we do platform wise. I'm now a coach, a speaker, an author, a consultant. Um, overall that I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a man of God. And so I do a bunch of weird things. I live my life and share it. And that's how I make an impact in the world. Amazing. I think you just touched on one of the uh, most common areas of the journey of going from doing whatever it is you're doing to taking a leap on yourself. Um, and that's the the realization that you have an experience that is potentially valuable to someone else. Yeah, big time. Now, I'm wondering, can you extract any insights from that? Because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we, we brushed over that with a sentence, but I think it's so much bigger. I think it's worth yeah. uh, talking about a little more. Well, look at it this way. Like I, I was a guy in the NFL and I was the guy, right? I'm on top of the world. And then you, and you're, you hurt yourself. NFL stands for not for long. You get hurt, you get out. So I'm home and I'm like, who in the world am I? I'm of no value to the world outside of this game of football. And then on top of that, I opened the gym. I have my degree in kinesiology. So I'm doing that there. And then if you take that and you fast forward to I'm speaking on a stage talking about about identity. It's like, where in the world did that happen? <laughs> and so the idea is that jump was difficult. It was it was very hard to leave the world of football and go, who am I? And even harder to go, I'm a football player. What in the world do I have to give a value to the world outside of the game? You know, I, I do, I've done fitness. What in the world do I have to give up motivation and identity help to the world? The question settles in very deep. And so it becomes this internal voice that says, don't do that, man. Don't film videos. Don't post content. Don't tell the world, you know, this thing. Don't even talk about it because that's that one person that comes out the woodwork and goes, Hey, you fraud, you do what are you doing? You don't know. You're just a little football player, you know? And that, that conversation spins. And the interesting thing is all of us have these crazy unique experiences that I, what I call your pinky finger power that you're not leaning into. And here's where that came from years after, you know, the NFL. And when I remarried my ex-wife, I got uh, this weird opportunity to go on American Ninja Warrior for the TV show. And, and what happens, I go up there, I'm a much bigger guy than most. I'm six, you know, almost six, two, I'm 230, I think at the time, 240, 240 pounds. Most of those guys are like a buck 80 at most five foot eight little rock climbers. I'm not supposed to do well. So I go to some guys and I go, how do I train for this? What's the best way to prepare so I can excel and succeed at hitting a buzzer on this show? One of the guys goes, you need to go ahead and, and train your hand, but specifically a certain finger. And obviously I've already told you what that finger is, but I go, well, index now, thumb. No, he goes, it's your pinky finger. I go, well, my pinky finger is like the most insignificant, like useless finger. I was, no, no, no. If you cut your pinky finger off, you lose 50 plus percent of your grip strength. And I go, really? And you research, this is truth. There's studies on it. And I go, oh, so the most 
insignificant part to my logic is actually the strongest part of it. And so all of us have this pinky finger power hidden deep inside. And the thing is, we think it's insignificant, not an important piece when reality is it's the strongest part of you. And if you can find out what that is, you already have a natural stance of value to the world. You just have to package it up and share it in a unique way. So when I was in that moment in time, I was sitting in the audience at a, a Brendan Burchard event and I'd never known the guy. I had no idea who the hell he was. I'm just like, someone's like, go to this thing. I'm like, all right. So I go, everybody's clapping and jumping around. I'm like the football guy. I'm closed off, you know, by the end of the thing, I'm jumping around and I'm clapping, but he also unpacks for you at this thing called Experts Academy, your story and the value, if you can find it. And I go, wow, there is a ton of value in my life. So it started me going and saying, let me tap into my pinky finger power. Let me share some things in the world. And the more I did, the better I got, the more I did, the better I got. And that process continued on. And the more I did it, eventually people started taking note of it. They started finding value in it. I got motivated from their inspiration from me and it just steamrolled. But I'll tell you, every single first brick that I laid of a video or a post or some tweet or some comment, everyone was like scary. Like, what if they say something? What if they... And it's funny when you were talking from a place of power that you have an experience with, people were enjoying it. They're not knocking it down. It's helping them, but not knocking it down. But it wouldn't have started had I not laid the first brick and then leaned into my power. I love that. Tell us, what was that first post, that first piece of content? I think you, you like, you're kind of touching on this one. Like, like. <laughs> I, I just know like if, if I'm the I'm the listener, like that first one has got to be the killer. You're putting yourself out there and, and being vulnerable in a way that you're not used to. Yeah. Well, obviously, when you first start, the only people that know you are the people that know you, not the rest of the world. And those are sometimes the worst people because they say a prophet's never respected in their home. You know, so you're putting things out. People go, what are you doing? You know, my so I started this idea of I wanted to get better at speaking what's called extemporaneously. I didn't want to have ums and ahs when I spoke. I want to be clear of thought. I want to formulate ideas in real time. I wanted to have this skill set because I knew if I had that, I could talk better on camera and, and do this, but also hop on a stage and be clear and valuable, but I didn't have the ability to do so. So I was like, well, what if I just do a practice every day? Cause that's the thing. If I can commit to a disciplined practice every day, not tell myself I'll do it someday, a discipline on top of that, I wanted to give a, a window of time where it was just long enough to get an idea out, but not too long for someone to ideally reach or watch or this video or whatever it was. Cause most people's attention span is minimal. And if they hit a video, the first thing we do, if they show some, they tap the screen to see how long the video is, right? If you show somebody, they tap it, how long is it going to be? So I was like, let me keep it to 90 seconds. So I I was like, okay, every night, a 90 second video, the nightly 90. So I started this. You can look at these still. I did 1,333 straight days of a 90 second video posted in like, I think it was like at the time, seven to 10 different platforms. Some changed and it just you know disappeared and some I just I stopped doing. But the idea was like, I wanted to develop this skill. And here's the unique thing. The more I did it, like the first 300, nobody saw. I got like 10 views, right? Then like 350 or something, all of a sudden it shot up and it continued on like that for a while. Five 500, 600,000 views a night. And all it was, was me saying, I'm going to start ugly. I'm going to start dirty and I'm going to just get better. And I ache in this to my football days. I believe the skill to navigate this was built then because in football, again, one of the best in the world played the NFL. But every day you go to practice, you do your thing, you go back into the film room and you watch the film and you critically break down what you did performance-wise and how you can improve. You don't think you suck. You think you're great, but you go, I can improve there. So that's what I did. I put it out. I watched the film. Other people watched the film. I got comments. I commented on myself and I got better and better and better. And the idea is you got to start ugly. You just start ugly because if you can't start ugly, you'll never get good at it. And that was the journey. And that's how everybody's journey is. You, you can't wait until you're good at something to then start doing that thing because you'll never get good. <laughs> and, and so that first video was horrible. You can still see it on YouTube. I got all of them there. You can watch them like sitting with this in the desk and the cameras at my angle of my face. And I'm kind of talking, I don't even know what I'm talking about, like a UFC fight or something random. And I just start ages go and the journey goes. 
And it's been almost, I think, eight years now doing this, man. And you just, if you stay in the pocket of it all, you can't help but get amazing at it. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, how you refined your ideas. Like, I imagine where you started, you probably weren't, you know, Anthony Truck's identity coach on day one. Not at all. Can you tell us a little bit about like how you actually refined your your content and it developed into what it is today? Yeah. So, I, well, early on, I just told my story. I would tell my personal story. And then I had an agent, I had a speaking agent in the college industry, college realm. She kind of comes in one day and goes, hey, you're telling your story. It's all right, but stop doing it the way you're doing it. And I go, well, what other way do I do it? She goes, well, you have to realize when people are listening to you, they have to be able to extract some value or else you're just a, a glorified YouTube video. We need to find a way for you to talk, but talk to them and their experience. So it was kind of like the biggest, you know, for me, a light bulb at the time of like, oh, I have to find ways to make this a value to somebody. And so what I did in the beginning, I would have ideas of what my thought was, but then I would go, how do I tell you the, the one, two, three of this, the steps to this? If I did this, experienced this, here's the outcome, it's possible. If I had my five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old kid here, how would I tell them, hey, go do step one, step two, step three? And that was how the beginning of it started. It was like, I'm just going to give you some one-offs. Here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's how the solution's executed. Go do this is what I did. And that became the beginning of it. And then what you do is over time, you start realizing some golden threads along how like step one should look like this and then step two and then step three. But like, here's a cluster of first steps, a cluster of second steps, a cluster of third steps. You go, oh, overarchingly, this should be somebody's first step. And then once they've done that, this should be their next step. And then this one. So my idea started to crystallize into a flow that if you walked through that, no matter what walk of life, what situation, it became this process that you could duplicate for yourself to get a similar result. And it became my frameworks. And it all came from initially acting like I call it like a, like a comedian. You ever notice comedians? They're funny because they they notice life in ways that we don't notice. You know, you'll have a comedian talk about the, the moment walking into a bathroom. And then as soon as somebody else walks in here on the toilet, you just tense up. You try to be silent like a, like a field mouse. And you wait till they leave. <laughs> you know, a moment that like, you know, experience, but nobody talks about. And I go, that should be the exact same thing for us as knowledge coaches or thought leaders, right? Because if we can see life in a certain way, we can extract a solution to the problem you're having and then give it to you as a, a piece of here, eat this, do this. So I started looking at life and going, where am I not noticing things? Where am I paying attention more? And then finding solutions of that. And then doing, like I said, put them together, making a block of first steps, a block of second steps. And over time, the ideas start refining themselves. And on top of that, here's the other part of it. You cannot refine an idea with just one brain. I don't think your brain alone is the one that's going to get the thing to be perfect for the person you're serving. You have to loop them in. Most of us are these perfectionists and such a fear of failure and judgment that we never put the idea out for someone to tell us how to improve it because we're afraid of the rejection of it not being perfect, right? So the nightly 90s became a way for me to share an idea and get actual feedback. It's stupid. I've had this happen. I don't know if I like this. Hey, man, it's a phenomenal idea. I never thought of it that way. You go back and forth and you go, that's a good idea. Let me put that to the side. Like a comedian does jokes. You laugh. Good. You don't. I take it out. You know, that's the process. And over time, you get to this kind of collection of like, well, this is a really systematic way of me walking somebody through something. I've shared the ideas with the world. The world gave me feedback, some good, some bad. I tweaked, I re redid it and got better and better. And that became my journey. And so over time, the ideas were just me in real time thinking of stuff, throwing it out there, refining it, and then solidifying it as time went on. Amazing. I want to talk a little bit about it. when you hear the story, you know, retrospect always paints a picture that I think leaves out some of the the challenges and the struggles and mm. the turmoil that one has to go through to actually get from point A to point B. What can yeah. you share to kind of help give us some insight into the the challenges associated with that journey? Yeah, man, it's all part of it. But, you know, I so there's this uh, concept I call dark work and we kind of alluded to it prior to this. I, I believe the work you do in the dark allows you to shine in the light. There was a moment in time 
time when I was like 15 years old and I wasn't really good at football, but I wanted to be right. And so I went and I tucked away and I did all these things that had never been done I, by myself. I felt weird doing because they were out of my comfort zone. People were, you know, you know, heckling me and making fun of me, trying new stuff. But I got to a point seven months later where I had this mentality when I stepped in a football field of, I have done too much work in the dark for you to take what's mine and the light. And this was something that anchored in my soul at that time. And I realized that that should be the exact same for everything we do. After a while, like I'd done too much work in the dark for these videos to not shine on the stage when it was my time, right? But then if you say, well, what are the journey points? There were a lot that suck. There were a lot of people where, you know, like a hop in a phone call for possibly a speech. And they're like, yeah, we, we, you're not at the level we want. You got to eat that. People rejecting the video saying this video was trash. You got to eat that. Not getting the views you want. You got to eat that. Or some nights sitting back going, look, I, I know there's something that I have to create to build, to, to put out in the world. And I don't personally know how to do it. I don't have the funds to do it either. So I guess I'm stuck. But the reality is if you accept that moment, then you go, I'm never going to get anywhere. So you go, okay, well, if I can't afford somebody to do it, I guess I got to figure it out. So being a former NFL athlete, I was a gym owner in fitness. I at times was building web apps, building websites. Uh, my first platform I used was Kajabi way back before when it was like web hooks and weird things. Dude, I was sitting there for like hours and hours and weeks on end trying to figure out how the internet even works. How do you code? <laughs> so I'm not to break stuff and restart. I had to break. I broke a few things and restart the whole stinking thing. Like, ah. but those, those moments are the ones that I now stand here and go, I have done too much work in the dark to not shine in this light that I get. Not from an arrogant standpoint, but from a confidence standpoint, from an investment bias, I invested time. This is what I deserve in the light, right? And so because of that, it allows me to be where I'm at now. And for anybody, you know, how do you navigate those, those moments, man? Those tough times are amazing opportunities. I got a painting on the wall here that says, smooth seas never made skilled sailors. It ties to my life as a foster kid, but also to my life as an entrepreneur. The, the smooth seas will never make you a phenomenal entrepreneur. You might have a, a flash of brightness somewhere else, but it's those rough seas you really should want to dive into. The best sailors, they they want to go find the storms and navigate those. They want to figure out how to use the different tools and they want to learn how to lean on, on their different team and their sailor, you know, sailors around them. They want to learn how to do that so that later on when the seas are rough, like the pandemic that just hit, we're able to navigate those seas where when most people are down below the deck freaking out, I'm up on top of the deck sipping tea. Like, I got this. I've been here before. Like, I can navigate hardship. You build this muscle. And so for me, going back to those moments, they are ugly. They are hard. They are difficult, but they are necessities for our success later on. And on top of that, you don't even have to do it alone nowadays. There are so many support systems and groups and programs and platforms and tools that make this stuff streamlined and easier than it ever has been before. So if someone can get out of the way of the mentality of like, oh, I just can't do this and go, you know what? I, I can't do it right now, but I will figure it out in time. If you can just switch to that mentality, go to work because the days will pass. The time will get, you know, get invested. And the more you do it, the more it becomes this outcome that you desire, but you're going to have to be okay sucking and, and trudging through the mud in the beginning and almost loving it like a pig. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like early sales that you, you have to get used to know a lot if you're ever going to survive in sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to dig in a little bit more to your hallway method, like kind of the other side of this and oh, how, yeah. yeah, how, how you, how you work through this. Um, I, I think identity is something by the way that 
although it sounds general, like it's something that I know, like being a past entrepreneur now working in a traditional role, like I think about quite frequently. I think about it every time I'm on this podcast because I'm interviewing people who used to be me. Um, Tell me about how you navigated um, what I imagine for you was huge from an identity shift standpoint. Well, well, you know, the thing is, is there, I had alluded earlier, like I said, that you, you can't have a dream that outpaces your identity. Every dream has a certain level of actions and habits and, and things that have to be navigated to either attain or sustain this dream. But if the actions and habits don't connect with your identity, you won't do them. You go, oh, I'm not the kind of person that makes websites. I'm not the kind of person that films videos. I'm not the kind of person that does sales. I'm not a salesman. Those language points, they are actually verbally re-ingraining to yourself who you are. So you'll act in a way to make those right. So you won't learn a website. You won't learn sales. You won't learn how to create simply because you want to be in alignment with your words. And so I think one of the biggest things for most people is realize your identity is pretty much how you will identify and claim. So if you go, you know what? I'm the kind of person that figures problems out. I'm the kind of person that, you know, finds solutions. I'm the kind of person that learns how to improve upon something. Well, now you give yourself the best opportunity. And so as an entrepreneur, if you don't identify with the certain aspects that an entrepreneur must identify with, you don't get that dream. So if you don't have the identity yet, that's okay. The idea is to say, well, what do I do to gain that? And any identity you will identify as currently comes from a past of small deposited actions and habits. That's the key. What are the the small actions and habits I can deposit every day to get a dividend of identity in that space? So for me, it's like, I'm not a great speaker. Let me do a video every day. It's pretty straightforward, right? It's it's not even rocket science. You lean into it for the purpose, not just the achievement, but the transformation. That's who I am. And so that part of my my journey is woven into what you're asking is the hallway method. I believe that as an individual, you have to lean on your individuality. In our world nowadays, there's a lot of people online. People get the question, isn't the market saturated? Well, yeah, but the truth is not with you. There's somebody that could hear the exact same thing from somebody else go, that's not my person. Hear the exact same thing from you and go, I will never leave you. But if your voice isn't in the conversation, they don't get it. And so you need to put your voice there because there's a person who will only listen to you. And I realized that for me, a lot of things that I was doing in the beginning was trying to mimic other people. How do I do the voice of this guy and kind of create content like this guy? And it was never working. It, ne- it literally never worked positively. And so I was in and goes like, okay, how can I find a way to lean on me? And when identity came into the conversation, because at first it wasn't identity, somebody planted that seed and I grew it. But I go, well, what's unique about me in the way that I do things? And so I started uncovering my personal story, finding my own kind of ways to do things, my own actions, and also my competitive advantage as a coach personally. Like I'm I'm not uh, a holistic, you know, spiritual guy. That's not my coaching style, right? I'm the kind of guy that's very systems oriented. It's a football mind, I think, from plays. And I'm very like under pressure operating well because I played football. I was always under pressure. So I can give them real time, give me an idea. Okay, do this, 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 step one, step, boom, I can knock it out. That's my strength. So I have to put that into my business, put it into my marketing. It's all going to be there. And then when you take it a step further, what I believe is anyone that's a coach, you need to be able to speak, whether you're on a stage or in a podcast or a webinar. And you have to be able to frame your story in a way that somebody goes, oh, they have a solution and they're the person to give me this solution. And here's where the hallway method comes into play. Uh, in the beginning, I didn't know how to tell my story. And somebody framed it up in a really beautiful way because I'll talk right now to youth that are at risk. I'll talk to, you know, mom groups, you know, men's groups. I'll talk to corporations, all these different people. People go, how do you have your story? Talk to all them. I go, it's simple hallway. I go, okay, well tell me. Well, every hallway has a front door and a back door. Everyone, front entrance, exit entrance, right? And along every hallway, you typically will find doors. So imagine your story like a hallway. There's a beginning and an end. You know, you can walk down the hallway and each door has a label of that segment of your life. I can say, hey, I grew up uh, in a weird situation. I was given away in three years old in a foster care. Story starts there. I can walk down the hallway and there's my childhood. There's my high school years. There's my meeting my dad years. There's my, you know, having a kid years in college. There's my NFL years, my, my hiatus years, my divorce years. Here's my years. They're all behind doors. 
course, all I do is talk through that real quick and say, and at this point, now I do blankety blank blank. When I talk to a demographic of people, my job is to go, which door do I open and spend time in? That's it. So if I'm telling the story and I'm going down, I'm going to tell, hey, I went through foster care. Say I'm talking to a, a bunch of insurance salesmen. Totally cool. I'm going to talk to them about, here's what happened in foster care, but I'm going to bypass the door. Here's what happened in my you know years as a high school kid, but I'm going to close the door. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to get to a door that goes, here's my window of time when I became a, a business owner. I had to learn sales. I'm going to open that door. We're going to go inside and take a look around the room. I'll tell you what's in there. Tell you some stories about that thing there and that thing there. At some point, we'll exit the room and we'll continue the journey down to get to the very end of it. And that's how everybody should think through their story. How can you create the hallway, the main segments of your life, and then in those segments, a drop-down list of some stories you could use or share from that room? If I'm talking to kids, I'm going down. I'm going to tell them all about the whole thing to where I'm at, but I'm going to come back and go, but here's what happened when I went to my first foster home. I'm going to stay there. They don't care about the marriage. They don't care about the business, but I got time to share here that'll resonate with them. So if somebody as an individual can think through that, you'll have a powerful way to be a phenomenal speaker, to create phenomenal stories for webinars and sales type aspects, but then also be able to create content because in that room, I'll tell you how I survived that room and made it to the next one, right? That becomes the coaching program, the, 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 the keynote, whatever it is, when you dive deeper into the realms that you already have access to. That's amazing. I, I want to put you on the spot if you're willing here um, and kind of, <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I've done this a few times in the past uh, mm-hmm. since obviously all of our listeners can't be here live in real time like we wish they could. I, I want to stand here as a proxy to them. Walk me through in the same way you would walk through anyone that you are, I guess, coaching one-on-one um, yeah. through this kind of hallway method technique, maybe so that they can, as they're listening to this, apply it to whatever their own life situation is. Yeah, yeah. So the hallway method is more of like, how do you create content and speech? I, I, the, the method you're asking them, like the solution is like my shift method, but we'll stay in the hallway because okay. I, do, I do spend time unpacking this for clients, right? So I have clients that are coaches that want to be coaches as a realm. And we do this because they go, man, I got so many different things. I'm like, great, let's walk down your hallway. And so I, I lean into some of Joseph Campbell's stuff of the, the hero's journey. And then we plug that into the hallway method. So what I would do is go, okay, great. Where do you see your current client sitting in a place that you used to be, right? Because they say you're best suited to serve the person who is where you used to be. So I need to set that stage. Tell me where that was at. Um, I was in a, a, a dead end job working in corporate. Cool. That's where we're going to start. Let me go down that journey and go, if that's the beginning of your story, where are you now? Where Where's this amazing place that they aspire to that's beyond the place you were at that time? Because if you just went from corporate world and I kind of things got crappy, but then they got just as good, like no one wants to hear that story, right? The idea is it ended on a super, super high note. What's that high note? And usually it's like, oh, I've, I'm now, you know, teaching people seven figure business, whatever you want to call it. Or I just, I'm happy. Maybe the people want to be happy. You go, great. That's the end result. Now let's walk this through during this time in your place when, when they're there, what changed? What's some unique moment of your life that changed and that you can talk to? Like maybe all of a sudden, you know, the pandemic hit, or there's a window in time where uh, some of the family got sick or, you know, I just, I got fired, whatever it is. When did something change? And then when that thing changed, that's a doorway. One moment in time where something changed because we can talk to sometime in life, things change, right? The next thing goes, okay, when did things get bad? From that, what was the first thing that happened that was pretty detrimental or really, really sucked? And you can have that be a doorway moment, right? Something took place. For me as a kid, foster care, that's the start. Given away, something changed. I had some really heinous things happen in foster care. Pretty bad, you know? And then things get even deeper from there. And so you have that window of when things got bad. Then we call bad to worse. When did things go from bad to like, it was rock bottom, man. Like it really, really, really sucked because that's the one where you're going to connect to the person in a way of either they are there right now or they're headed there and they are seeing this for the first time that if they don't change something or don't adjust, they're going to be stuck there too. And you open that door and you share your guts, the vulnerable parts that no one wants to share. Do you share it? Like I share stories of when like my divorce took place. I was, I was suicidal. I 
genuinely like, I don't want to live. If this is the life after football, I don't want this life, man. I wasn't a present father. I was not a good husband. I was, I was just, I didn't have an identity of football. I was nobody. And so I share all of that vulnerably because I realized that that's something people need to hear a human say if they're going to follow a human. And so for me, you get to that point of you unpack that story and you have that doorway. The next thing goes, you eventually got tired of this suck because you did. If you got this place, you got tired and something in you said, I'm going to try something new. I don't know what it is, but you tried something new and it gave you a little bit of a bump, right? Sometimes somebody comes into your life that gives you some insight. Maybe you met somebody or a coach that gave you some thoughts, but that led to something being tried. It's a doorway. This moment happened. I learned this thing and I tried. I said, what if I just do this? I don't like, let me just try this. And you did it. You had some success. And then some point in time, you you refined it. You did it again. And then somewhere life kicked you again. I don't know where life kicked you, but life came and said, uh-uh, hey, hold on. You come out of that hole. Let me knock you back down a little bit. And you go, I'm being tested for the first time with this new, this new thing I'm doing. How do I respond? And you find that moment where you go, and this took place, but I don't, I wasn't going to let it stop me. So I tried again. And, I, and sure enough, boom, I got to the top. And then there should be a point in time where you, you talk about how you were kind of back to your similar level. I was in a good place. I had this going on. Like for me, I had my marriage back. I was happy, but I realized that I didn't want to be in that place. I want to be farther along. You know, I didn't come this far to just come this far. And so what happened in you? What moment in your life took place where you said, I want more. I want to find more, do more, create more, live more. That's a doorway. And then whatever you did in that doorway that shot you to here, you talk about it. This is what I did. I tried this. I went out of my comfort zone. I figured, hey, I've already hit the bottom. There's nothing but more but top, right? I can't take anything away. I've already felt the crap. Let me keep going. And so you get to that point of talking about this next place that you go to. And that becomes kind of the final door, we'll call it, of like, hey, this is what's possible when you lean in, when you do whatever it is I did, because you want to be in this place that I am currently at. Here's how it took place. And so as you tell your story, you're walking through this, but each one of these can become a door. Now you can have doors that are, you know, simple ones, big ones, small ones, but you need to have these specific ones because they allow you to really step into the space and unpack your life. Because most of us, the biggest issue is not what to share, it's what not to share. <laughs> like that's the hardest thing. There's so much light. How do I know what not to share? And this helps you clarify what not to share because no one knows what you don't tell them. But if you tell them everything, they stop listening. It's just too much. They need to find the things that are pertinent to their life from your life. And if they get into your ecosystem, you have time to talk about on podcasts and social posts and that kind of stuff. But in this beginning space of a stage you're speaking on or a webinar or something, it needs to be streamlined. So this person goes, they were where I was at. They get me. They're where I want to be. I'm looking at them. They've experienced some of the things I have. They tried something that worked for them. Um, let's hop in. Let me try this out. I think it's important to note too, that we, at least me, I have an attend. I have a tendency to maybe even downplay wherever you're at there. There's you're like, well, no, who's going to want to be where I'm at today. <laughs> uh, so any, uh, any, any tactics, how do you, how do you overcome that? I don't even know what to describe yeah. it as. It's interesting. If I'd say if people don't know you enough to hate you, they'll never know you enough to love you. And our biggest fear is to be hated by anyone. Genuinely. Like I have this fear of like, what if somebody hates me? And then I realize, well, man, if, if I'm not sharing enough depth that has somebody know me enough to go, I don't like this guy, like at all. I am not in any way sharing enough depth for someone to go, this is my guy. And so whenever you're out there figuring out what to share, you need to share all of it. The parts that don't make sense, you need to be genuinely braggadocious in a way that's not off-putting, if that makes sense. Years ago, I had somebody tell me, hey, you need to learn how to be able to, to share how awesome you are without having anybody feel like their awesome is diminished, but in a sense of it motivates them to get to your level. And so for me, I can confidently say, like, I'm I'm a guy that was given away in a foster care. The statistics for foster kids, one in three end up in prison or jail like or, or dead. I think 75% of the homeless population have spent time in foster care. Half the homeless population spent time in foster care. Less than 1% of us graduated from college. Statistically, I'm an anomaly. Tack that onto football and business stuff. I'm not supposed 
supposed to exist on paper. And I realized that for me, all of it's because I, as a human being, physically am not special. However, my effort and my desire to be the best I can is. And because of that, I have earned the ability to say, I love me. I am, I'm phenomenal at me. And I just want me to be able to help other people become the best thems. But I can't do it if I don't think I'm good enough to help them. So I know I am. I love myself. I've earned that right. And so I can say I'm awesome. So I'm going to share all the stories of how awesome I am, but realize every story should end with, and my goal is to get you to have that same kind of feeling, that same kind of moment. If you want that, I'm your guy. And if you think I'm being braggadocious, I'm not. I still love you, but I'm not your guy. And that's also okay. Like just because you don't love me doesn't mean that that I'm not worthy. It just means that we don't gel because not all humans gel, but I'm not going to let that, you know, one or two people hinder me from sharing the information I need to help that one or 2000 people that'll benefit from it. That's powerful. That's powerful. Um, uh, let's go a little bit back just your journey um, as an entrepreneur. Can you take us through how you went from wherever you were at at the beginning? I, I, I don't know if you retired from the NFL or where, oh, what, your, <laughs> what your status was at that point to like yeah. actually making an income doing this. Oh, you want the good goods. Good yes. question, man. So I left the NFL on an injury. It was not by choice. It was by chance. And I had a moment of like, who in the world am I without this game? Uh, and it was a long journey, seven years of figuring it out. And so what I did is I, I was this gym owner. I did the gym thing and, and that was not doing well for a long time. Then I eventually got this moment in time where I'm sitting there in, in this house. It's like, I want to say December 22nd, 2013. And I'm, I'm laid up on the couch. I had surgery on my Achilles. I tore my Achilles playing flag football. I couldn't pay rent for my townhouse. I couldn't pay rent for my gym business. I had to call my ex-wife and borrow $5,000, which if you have an ex-wife, you know what that feels like. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is the bottom. I was like, I can't be here again. And so what I did is I started stepping out of every area that felt comfortable to me, making asks that scared me. In fact, I realized that if it scared me, that was the path to go down. And I started just leaning in, leaning in, and I eventually leaned into asking this company called PG&E nearby to trust me with helping their employees get healthier and diminish strains and sprains. It turned into eventually a $250,000 contract after a year of just leaning in and sitting in rooms with people that just looked at me like, like a, just a parasite, you know, and just, it was a horrible, long journey of ugliness. But then I got to the point of like, holy crap, I got this. Now, this isn't my journey of speaking yet. This is just the journey of fitness and getting a little bit of a headway to transition. Then what took place was I happened across uh, this moment in time where my gym lease was about to be up. I didn't love the gym anymore. I was just like, this is, the industry is not something I'm in love with. On top of that, my, you know, my mom, who was, when I was a young kid at 15, she had diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And so she, unfortunately, 17 years later, had lost her battle with MS. And I remember just moment in time going, I'm barely able to pay rent at the, in some windows. I just figured this thing out, but I'm still not happy. I don't know what to do with myself. And I just remember I, I said, I'm going to find a way to make my life great again, mom. And so I leaned in and said, I got to find something. And lo and behold, I'm, I'm working with this company called Fire Alumni. And I was going and presenting to their fire department people to help them again, get in better shape. And this guy named Jadon Cherry comes up and he goes, Hey, we're going to do this thing. We film these videos of you doing this fitness stuff for the CBEST test for firefighters. We're going to put it online and we're going to sell it. And I go, you're talking crazy, bro. This is blasphemy. What do you mean sell videos online? Uh, seriously, I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah. There's just this whole world of where you can do online courses and stuff. I'm like, what are you talking? I'm a gym owner, man. I work hand in hand. Like, you know, and he goes, no, check this video out. And this is where he sends me this link to Brennan Burchard's Experts Academy. And so Brennan, you know, I go to his events and I, I watch his little videos of him online and he's jumping around super happy doing his thing, you know? I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, well, I'm gonna go though. So I go to the event and I'm in the back row and I'm just kind of sitting there taking it all in and people like, get up and tell your story. I'm like, we didn't tell my story. No one, uh -uh, I'm a football guy. This isn't what I do. And at 
one point I'm in the back of the room and I get in this little group and I tell my story. And my story is kind of an interesting one. I didn't even want to tell it back then, but you know, I told parts of it, but I told the story and then we dispersed. No big deal. The next day in the hallway, some random woman stops me who I think had worked for you know the front desk team. She goes, tell me your story. And I go, oh, uh, okay. And so I tell her my story and then I was it. And then I, I kept going to events. They kept kind of like seeing me saying hi. And I didn't realize until like maybe a year later, one of the same women, she ends up being like at the time, Brendan's right hand as manager. She goes, you want to be a volunteer? I go, what do you mean? Is it volunteer? What? She's like, you know, I kind of find out that I'm a volunteer because they like me and like my stuff. And they've been watching me for a while. The woman in that very first group that I was in, I told you about, happened to be the fiance of Brendan's security, his son. So she had gone back and said, there's this cool guy in the audience. It's a really interesting story. And so she asked my story because she heard that. They watched what I was doing, the videos I was doing. And so they're like, you want to volunteer? Cool, man. I'm an NFL guy, though. I don't care about like, you know, people being famous. I didn't care to meet Brendan at the time. Genuinely, I was like, ah, oh, cool guy. I wanted to get in the world and see what goes on back here, you know? So I'm volunteering. And then at one point, Brennan, uh, he needed some help going back to his room. So security, I'm a bigger guy. So I'm like, I'll be security. Hey, so I'm walking him back. He goes, hey, tell me your story, man. So I kind of rattle it off in a little bit. And he goes, oh, cool. And that was kind of it. Little by little, we start to con- you know, continue to talk because I'm still volunteering at the events. And he's like, hey, we got um, to do something together. I go, what? He goes, and so we find this like area of, of what he wanted to do for health-wise. That's my background. We create this little gym in a bag. And and fast forward like three years from sitting in the, in the actual stands, I'm now on stage in front of 2,000 people telling my story, talking about this bag. Uh, it's called Jim in a Bag. And after a few times doing it, he realizes like, that's not my love anymore. Because man, I'm going to bring you back to this, this mastermind with me in this group. We go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And it's me and just a, a slew of amazing minds. It's, it's I think at the time, it's like Dean Graciosi, Jeff Walker, Russell Brunson, Trent Shelton, Lewis Howes, uh, Craig Clemens, uh, Dave Hollis, all these amazing people are Ethan Willis, Brendan's there, obviously. And we're all just sitting down and we're just this literally in the middle of nowhere. And I'm talking about this brand I was thinking of called Trust Your Hustle. And I tell the whole story, tell my heart. I've been building things because, you know, I'm doing the stuff in the background. One of the guys goes, I don't like it, man. I go, what do you mean you don't like it? He goes, ah. he says, there's a message and a messenger. You're the messenger. But if you have a great message, you can light the world on fire, but your message isn't powerful. Trust your hustle. Is that we all hustle because I want to know how in the world you navigated the, the foster kid, the poor family, you know, the giving away situation, then the, the college stuff and having a kid and meeting your dad and then getting the NFL, losing the NFL, not getting stuck there, but building a business and then divorce, remarriage. Like, how'd you navigate those different parts of your identity and then end up in this room with us? I was like, oh man, that's an interesting conversation. So that's where I started digging in. Now, along this journey, obviously I'm doing the ugly work, man. I'm building websites and I'm figuring out how these things work and I'm filming videos and I'm doing random launches. I'm, I'm just doing all the stuff I'm seeing ugly. And eventually it finally hit to where like I was the messenger and I finally had my message. And the more I dug into it, I found it's my pinky finger power. And I just built and built and built. And I, I tell people this story because it's a series of fortunate events. The only reason that they even happened the way they did is because at every stage, what you didn't know or see was a full commitment to being a novice, okay with doing ugly work. I was okay going in and carrying boxes around. Former NFL athlete, I'm carrying boxes and I'm checking people in and I'm doing all the, the handout stuff at this guy's event I because I was a novice and I wanted to do the ugly work. I'm, I'm creating this stuff from scratch. I'm posting videos. I'm just, I'm doing the live streams, kind of figuring out how to not look stupid on these things over and over again. And if, if anybody is wondering like, oh, that's just, I can't do that. No, you can. These opportunities, I believe in life always exist, but so many people go, I can't do it. They never put themselves in positions to be seen doing the novice work. Because every person that I know that comes to me and I can see doing the work, I go, I want to help 
you rise because so many people are not doing that. I want to stoke that flame the same way that these guys did for me. When I leaned in, I was like, man, I, I'm going to try it. They all, hey, hell, he's doing it. Let's help. They want to help those. This is a weird metaphor of, as a, a lifeguard. There's two people drowning in the water. I'm going to help the person swimming to shore, not the person swimming out back into the ocean, right? So, so if I'm swimming to shore, they'll help you. But you got to be okay with doing that novice, ugly work. But that's the pathway to me being here. Now, we just closed a big contract for six figures with Amazon. Like we consult for different companies like PayPal. And I've t- spoke for T-Mobile. I'm the highest rated speaker at T-Mobile. Like all these weird, cool things that started for me being a guy in a gym, sitting in a room going, this is really uncomfortable, but let me go ahead and lean in still. You know, I think if I can be frank, like I think you, your accolades, it's almost more powerful in the inverse. When we say Anthony Trucks, uh, you know, NFL player, um, you know, TV star, I don't know if you want to go with that one. It's almost more powerful when you hear, you know, Anthony Trucks, uh, failed gym owner, failed yeah. husband. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you with that. But no, it is though. I, yeah, it is, bro. I sucked at all of that stuff. <laughs> it was. But, I was bad at it. Yeah, but that's what makes it so powerful when you hear like these are all incredibly relatable things. Um, I, I want to... I don't know. I, I have this question I ask it towards the end of every show. And every yeah. time I struggle even just to articulate this question because we cover so much depth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to ask you, I guess, in your own words, tell us what's changed for you as a result of taking this journey. It feels so weird to ask that. <laughs> oh, I get it. No, everything's changed, man. You got to realize that the place that I grew up and most of us grew up is in these suburban areas, not in the big cities, you know, and, and most of us, our thing is if I want to have a good life, it's going to be because I have a job that I I have security, we'll call it in, where I go from nine to five and I get a pension. I got a 401k, I got a paycheck and I'm not worried about what tomorrow brings. I know as long as I just work real hard, I'm gonna get that. That was my mentality. So if I wasn't doing that, my tribe cast me out. Because the moment that I said, I want to try something different, all your people go, you idiot, stupid, you can do your own. That's not how it works because they're going to downplay what you do because if they lifted it up, it would be diminishing to their existence. And so I had to fight against the grain of people in the beginning. And, and so for me, I had this life where I was like, I got to go there 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the gym to have respect from my tribe. And then after a while, you realize I don't like this existence. This is not enjoyable for me. I, I want to go and travel to the places I see on Instagram. I I want to be able to, to be, I want to take my kids to school. I want to pick them up from school. I want to work out with my kids. I want to train and be able to be you know active with them. But I also want to impact the world in a positive way so I feel of value to the world. And so back then, I was confined to an existence that was draining my soul, man, genuinely. Uh, even though I was a business owner, Owner, I just owned a job. It was even more stressful because I could never take it off. And so at this point in my life, I'll walk you through today. This morning, I got up at 5.30. I peacefully sat on my couch and read a book that I'm, I'm enjoying reading. I went through and journaled in my planner. Uh, I was able to kind of work on my schedule. Then at 6.25, I got up, got my my youngest son up. We take a walk to the top of a hill. It's out by our house. It takes about seven minutes to get up. We go up there. We do gratitude. We do a prayer. We take it all in. We walk back down. I hop in a cold plunge that I have in my house that usually don't get afford these things, but I have the ability to afford a weird cold plunge. I have like a $35,000 home gym that I can't get that if I'm doing the job I was doing before. First off, I can come down and experience that with my my son and we do a meditation. And then I come 
in, I eat breakfast, he eats breakfast, I take them to school and they go to school and I get to hang out with you this morning. I literally, I got up, my kids went to school, I came back, sat with my wife a little bit, I put the Normatec on, I watched a little bit of a show, then I come to hang out and talk to you. When I'm done with this, I record a couple of videos, I have another podcast later on, I then go pick my kids up. My kids come back home, we work out together, we train. I then take a shower and I take my son to practice and I watch his practice like an actual dad. And then I come home and I'll eat dinner with my wife and kids, watch TV show, go to bed. I have a life that is under my control. I could have easily said I took a Bentley and a Ferrari somewhere, but it's not not what I want for my life. I just want control. And this lifestyle has afforded me that because in between, I missed at a coaching call to a client after my team call this morning. Like I get to serve people at a level that helps their marriages and their lives and their businesses also. And so for me, it's this existence that is so valuable to the rest of the people that need the help, that are in a place where they don't want to be that I once was. And so my life is one that is, I get to pour out and consistently be filled up in the work I do. And no one in my life can tell me I can't take a two-week break or you can't do this. You can't do that. I have full control of my life. And I believe that for me is the most powerful part of the whole thing. I was able to find a way to extract something from me that I can give to the world. And the world goes, holy crap, thank you. And in doing that, they exchange value that provides me the income to live my life however I so choose. Beyond amazing. I know that I for sure will be re-listening to this, even though I was here for it in real time. Um, I'm sure our listeners will as well. Uh, Can you tell us anything coming down the pipeline, any any teasers, anything, new courses, launches, anything that you you can share with us what's coming next? Yeah, man. Well, I I have like I have a mastermind that I love to do because it's it's the one area where I get to really dive in with the the nuts and bolts of the business stuff that that people who are in my realm who see my life as desirable. I'm not for the 27 year old kid who wants to drive a Ferrari and have Gucci belts. It's not my thing. But if you want to be a mom or a dad, you want to be present with your kids and take trips and like live your life on your terms, I'm your guy. So the mastermind, but there's also this area of something called dark work that we've been really building and developing the background because it's the next evolution. I work in identity, but in order to have an identity of whatever it is, like when I was 15, I had this dark work experience. I lift the weights, ran the routes. I emerged in the light. And so for me, I find that most people, they're trying to to have this light, but it's so dim because they didn't do the right dark work or depth of dark work because they didn't have a dark work experience. So we'll be launching before the end of the year, a podcast that digs into these uh, dark work experiences for phenomenal humans we all know, as well as a book that's a parable story of you understanding the different segments and where dark work ties in, but then also a way to have any individual craft and curate their own dark work experience for the purpose of shining in the light they want to at a later time to emerge into that space. And so it's guiding people through a very structured like here, we're going to go dark at this moment. We're going to merge at this point here, but here's your dark work experience structure, the daily dark work, the deposits, the, the, the dividends, how it all rolls. So there's no guesswork. You lean in, you do that ugly stuff I talked about, but with a plan, I didn't have a plan back then with a plan. So when you come out, you can shine like no other. Amazing. Anthony, tell us what's the best way for anyone to get a hold of you or to you know, check out your stuff. Yeah, yeah. Go outside. And if you if you knock on the ground three times, I'm kidding. I'm not a troll. Uh, <laughs> if you uh, if you go to at Anthony Trucks on Instagram, that's the fastest way to find me. Uh, oh. We have some called Dark Work AT. It'll be launching pretty soon, which will be on Instagram also. But really just go there because I, I find that if, if you want to go down the rabbit hole with me, I want to earn that. So come watch my stuff. See if it resonates. If it does, there's no way you're going to miss the, the links you can take to come down the rabbit hole with me. Amazing. Well, thank you. Um, 
Yeah, you shared an amazing amount of value um, in this time. Really appreciate you taking a chunk out of your day to share with us. Hey, man, I, I appreciate it. I'm happy to. Well, with that said, I think that's all we have for our listeners today. Thank you for taking the time to listen with us, and we will look forward to seeing you next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast. Thank <laughs> you.